You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Love One Another, is part one in the series Community, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Well, good morning, everybody. It's been a great time of worship already today. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, If you're one of our guests, maybe you're in town for a a car show or something like that, thank you so much. If you've got those slanty out wheels and the low rider, uh, we love you anyway, and thanks for being here today. And uh, uh, so glad that uh, we have some guests from North Carolina here today, uh, Jesse and Caroline, who are on their honeymoon. They got married Friday. They're on their honeymoon. Would you guys raise your hand? Thanks for being here today. And uh, any other honeymooners, uh, you're welcome here too. Well, I want to ask you to find in your Bible Acts chapter 2. And uh, we're going to be in three different places in the New Testament today uh, as we uh, begin something new. One of my favorite things about being a pastor is that I get to have a front row seat to watch as Jesus changes people's lives. In the last service at 8 o'clock this morning, uh, we got to see Mary Allison baptized. Uh, She was saved last week. And I just love sort of having a front row seat, uh, being able to know what's going on in her family, all that God is doing, uh, knowing that her foster brother was here today. He's so spiritually hungry. And he got to see her baptized And uh, just the excitement on her face this morning uh, with her new life in Christ. I love having that front row seat to see Jesus change people's lives. One of my favorite scenarios that I've seen over and over and over again uh, is uh, when someone will come here and they really don't know anybody. Maybe they're new to town and looking for a church family. Maybe they have uh, been invited by one of our members or they've come through one of our ministries and uh, they step in here, they don't really know anyone. Maybe it's someone who uh, has been out of church for a while and now they're back and they're just, it's a little awkward and they're looking for where can I fit in? And one thing that I've seen over and over again is uh, how when that happens and uh, and they, they step in, they take that risk, they show up, or they're, they're newly born again, and uh, they become a part of a life group, or they get to know some people. Some of their new brothers and sisters in Christ begin to reach out to them, and, and something amazing and beautiful happens, and that is uh, they make some friendships, and those friendships turn into something a lot deeper because of their faith in Christ. And and then soon, their new Christian friends become really a part of their lives. And and, uh, they find themselves, this is the, the beautiful thing, they find themselves wrapped up in a Christian community of believers where they're loved and supported like never before. Uh, and, and that just fosters all kind of growth. Uh, I remember when that happened with uh, Kimberly Brewster, uh, when she was brand new. Do you remember this, Renee? She was just brand new, and, uh, and she, was, she had just been saved. 
She became a part of a life group and they have become her sisters in Christ in a deep way. And uh, it's just been amazing to see as that has fostered so much growth, given her so much support. Now she's serving and leading in other ways. I, I just really love seeing that happen when that, that community forms around someone. Community is something every Christian needs in order to thrive and to grow. I'm starting something new today that I'm calling community, uh, not using that word in the way that we would use it to talk about all the people who live in Sevier County, uh, but just because we share a location together. I'm talking about uh, more of a, a spiritual sense uh, of community. And I want to show you community before I try to define it, okay? So I've asked you to go to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to show you uh, sort of the template that the Bible presents to us of what community ought to be. And uh, so I've asked you to go to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 41. And this comes right after the Apostle Peter has preached the gospel in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and many, many people respond and they are saved. And so uh, what do you do with 3,000 new Christians? And so uh, here's what we see happen. And uh, this is the kind of passage of scripture that we read as Christians and it stirs something in our hearts. Uh, when we read this, it, it ought to make us think, I've got to be a part of something like that. I want to be in on that kind of community in my life. So uh, let's read beginning in verse 41. The Bible says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Verse 44 says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Wow. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so this is an incredible scene as the church is born and the church begins to take shape as all of these new Christians come together and this amazing thing happens. It really is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not that Peter and the other apostles were such organizational geniuses that they made this happen. No, this was the work of the Holy Spirit in, in bringing all these people together. And what happened was uh, these, uh, all of these people come together in a Jesus-focused fellowship with each other. And they're all spending time together in worship, uh, they're, they're spending time together pr in prayer. They're learning the apostles' doctrine. They're learning more about Jesus together. And they're sharing with each other. I mean, this is some 
a pretty deep friendship that happens very quickly. They're meeting needs for each other. And then I just love the fact that they're enjoying the simple things of life and faith together. Uh, they're, they're sharing meals. They're, they're eating and talking and praising God together. And each person, picture yourself there as one of those 3,000. I mean, you just heard the gospel. You've been saved. Your life has changed. You've been baptized into the fellowship of this, this new thing. And all of a sudden, you have all of these people around you who've had the same experience. And, and each person ends up being stronger because of their part in this community of faith. And, and so this is the model for the Christian experience that the Bible portrays for us. And from it, I, I want to point out, uh, by way of introducing this whole series of sermons for the month, I want to point out three facts about community, all right? Number one is this. The Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation, but in community. Uh, according to the Bible, being a Christian is not portrayed as simply believing something. It is more than that, more than just believing something. It's about belonging to something. And that something is a community of believers. It's something bigger and better. Now, uh, we talk a lot about having a personal relationship with Jesus, and we ought to. It begins there for every individual, but... A personal relationship with Jesus that is real will always lead to many personal relationships that you have with other Jesus people. Uh, think of it this way. Even with the original 12 disciples, uh, Jesus loved each individual one. Jesus led each one. He knew each one. But he called each of those 12 disciples into a group. He called them together to be a part of something that was bigger than them. And, and they all got to experience the, the power and the joy of being a part of a group that's focused on Jesus and led by Jesus. That's a powerful thing that we all need. Being a part of a group that is empowered by Jesus, that's led by Jesus, and uh, that's focused on Jesus. Now, in Acts chapter 2... We see this, that the apostles didn't baptize each one of those new Christians privately and then send them out on their way to sort of figure it out on their own. They didn't just dip them and drop them, but instead they called them together. They gathered them uh, every day at the temple where all of them could meet at once and, and, and worship together. And then they grouped them together in homes for fellowship and, and they, they ate together and prayed together. It was a beautiful thing. And that sense of community that they all ended up uh, experiencing was life-giving to the church, but it was also attractive to those who saw it from the outside, and they wanted to be a part of that. Um, I learned about something in school. I think it was in a biology class. It'll make sense in a moment why I'm telling you this, but I learned about uh, something called the three sisters in uh, agriculture or gardening. Uh, many, many Native American tribes, uh, going back 
probably three centuries before white settlers came to the shores of the United States, uh, many of those Native American tribes planted three vegetables together because they figured out they grow better together than separately. And the three that they did most commonly were called the three sisters. It was corn and pole beans and squash. And uh, it kind of makes me hungry. I didn't have a very good breakfast today. Uh, I would eat corn and squash and pole beans right now. But they, they grew them all together sort of in one little mound because they found out it's better that way. They grow better together than they do separately. The way it works is as the corn grows up, the corn stalk serves as sort of a trellis that the pole beans can climb. Uh, the beans stabilize the corn in a high wind. Uh, the, the squash plants low to the ground with their large leaves keep the soil moist and, and prevent weed growth. It's called companion planting and it works better when they're grown together. Here's why I tell you that. You and I are really the same way. Uh, God has designed it so that we grow better together than we ever would separately. We grow better together. Now, uh, the second fact about community is, is my definition of the word, all right? So here it is. Community, the way we're talking about it in the month of October, the way I believe the Bible portrays it Community is the Christ-centered, grace-filled relationships that form the network of belonging and support that every Christian needs. Right? Let me repeat that. Community is the Christ-centered, grace-filled relationships that form the network of belonging and support that every Christian needs. We all need to be included to feel that we belong, to be served and to serve, to be loved and to love others, uh, to be a part of that community. And uh, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've tried to live without it before. You've tried it without it. You know the Lord, you know you're saved, but you've tried just being disconnected from the body of Christ. You've tried to do the Christian life all on your own. And what you know from experience is that it's better when you do it together. You grow better when you're with other believers in community. And so the question is, how do we recapture that kind of community that we see in the second chapter of Acts? How do we build around us the gospel relationships that we need to thrive and to grow? As I said before, it's a spiritual thing. I mean, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When, when the Holy Spirit takes our individual redeemed lives and, and he knits us together into a network of, of grace and support where everybody is cared for and Jesus is glorified. Uh, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, no doubt. And yet, it's one of those things that we have to put effort into. I can't just sit around waiting for everybody to find out how awesome I am, right? As a Christian, you, you can't just wait around and say, okay, everybody come love me. 
Everybody come, include me. No, community is something I have to pursue. It's something I have to build in my life. And uh, the Bible tells us how to do that because the building blocks of community in our lives uh, are known as the one another's of the New Testament. The building blocks of community are the one another's of the New Testament. Here's what I'm talking about. Did you know there are 59 different commands in the New Testament that are addressed to, uh, to believers that we are to do or in some cases not do to one another? Did you know that? There are 59 of those. And, uh, and these are, of course, not the only things God tells us to do. But if we're faithful to do the one another's, then what we'll find is it's going gonna, it's gonna to build, it's going to foster all the relationships around us to form the community that will give life to us. Here's what I know. These one another's, if you obey them, if you're faithful to obey them, uh, then it's going to build community. If you ignore them, you will be a lonely Christian. If you ignore these one another's, you're going to struggle in your faith. And you're never going to grow to your full potential in Christ. Uh, so let's pay attention to them this month. We're going to talk this month about five of the one another's. There are a lot of them. I prayed through it. And these are the five the Lord, I believe, laid on my heart to talk about this month. You may pick different ones, but I think these are most needful in our church today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, serving one another next week and then bearing with one another. That's a fun one because people can be crazy and you have to bear with them. Uh, then we're going to talk about showing hospitality to one another. It's a lost art in the church today, showing hospitality and then exhorting one another. We'll talk all about what that word means. But today, I want to start with love one another. Love one another. It's the one another that's mentioned most often. It's repeated over and over again. And uh, so let's go uh, to some of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, two of them this morning uh, in the rest of our time together. Uh, the first one is the Apostle Peter. Peter was a part of the miracle of Acts chapter 2. When the gospel was preached, he's the one who preached it. When the church was formed, if the original church there in Jerusalem had a, a, a lead pastor, it was Peter. And uh, he, he was um, trying along with the others to shepherd what was just exploding in growth and all that God was doing. And uh, Peter had heard Jesus repeat over and over again, love one another. Love one another. For instance, Peter was present when Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so Peter knew that this is foundational. This is the characteristic that ought to really define the church from the rest of the world is that we love one another. Uh, so Peter here is a leader in the church. There's all these new believers, 3,000 at once. 
and adding to that every day. And Peter got to see uh, what Jesus said coming true. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, if we love like Jesus. And Peter got to see the power of that love multiplied over and over again. And so later in one of his epistles, Peter uh, repeated the words of Jesus to love one another. And we're going to read this in 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Uh, Peter repeated those words, love one another. Then he adds to it a couple of modifiers that just strengthen that command for us. And so let's pay attention to it today. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 22. It's going to be on the screen or you can find it in your Bible. 1 Peter 1, 22. Uh, he writes this. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Now, let me just pause there for just a moment to say uh, that's a way for Peter to say this. Um, the Lord has changed your heart because of the gospel that you heard preached and you received. Your life is different now. Your sins are forgiven. Your soul has been cleansed so that you're able to love other people like Jesus. It, it's a redeemed kind of love that, that Christians can have. And so uh, he says, uh, now that your heart has been purified, you can love. And so he says, uh, you ought to love one another. Here's the rest of the verse. Love one another. And he adds to it fervently and with a pure heart. The word fervently means in the original language, uh, with every muscle straining. That's how we ought to love. It's about really putting your heart into it with every muscle straining. It's an athletic term. Think of a wide receiver leaping and stretched out as far as his hands can reach in order to grab a pass fervently. I think Peter's saying, look, you need to put forth the effort to love one another with all your heart. And it takes effort. It must be that fervent kind of love because sometimes uh, you have to love in messy situations when people are broken and hurting. Sometimes we have to love one another when it's inconvenient and we really don't have time to do it. Sometimes we have to love one another when we are not being loved in return. Sometimes we have to love one another when we don't agree and when that other person is just on your last nerve and you have to love one another. Even when someone has wronged you, love one another. I think it's why he says, love one another fervently. And then he adds to that with a pure heart. It can't be a selfish love. It can't be a conditional love. Look, I'll love you as long as you meet these demands of mine. And if you don't, then I'm not going to love you anymore. It can't be out just for what I can get out of you. But it's the pure love of Jesus from one forgiven sinner to another forgiven sinner uh, and so he says, love one another fervently and with a pure heart. Love one another. 
You know, it's important for us to begin there because all the other one another's that we're going to look at flow out of this one. They're all just expressions of the love that we have for one another in the body of Christ. And speaking of love, I have to say this. For Peter, uh, the way Jesus taught him to love was just radical. It was so different from what he'd ever experienced before. The love that Jesus taught was counterintuitive to the human heart. It's, it's just different. Jesus said, forgive people who mistreat you. And Peter must have thought, that's not the way we do it down here. We get even if somebody mistreats us. But Jesus said, forgive them. Jesus said, do to others as you would have them do to you. And Peter must have thought what we think. Well, that doesn't make sense at all. I wait to see how somebody's going to treat me. And then if they bless me, I'll bless them back. If they hurt me, they're going to regret it. But Jesus said, do to others as you would have them to do to you. Jesus said, don't even look at another person lustfully. Don't even talk to another person angrily. And Peter must have thought, well, then how are they going to know how mad I am if I, if I don't yell and, and insult them? Jesus taught things like no more revenge, no more trying to get even with the people who hurt you. If somebody slaps you in the face, take it. If somebody compels you to carry their gear for a mile, be a servant and take it a second mile. That's what Jesus taught. And so Peter learned from him a new way to love. And, and he was empowered by the Spirit to love in that way with the love of Jesus. So, so Jesus taught his disciples what the love of God was like, uh, but he did not just say it, he showed it. Jesus didn't just talk about love, he led by example. Uh, Peter was one of those who stood back and watched as Jesus reached out his hand with a healing touch for people that nobody in his culture would touch the lepers, the diseased, the, the sick. Peter watched as Jesus expressed his love by uh, taking time to talk to beggars and little poor children, people nobody even acknowledged in his world. He connected, he watched as Jesus connected with the worst sinners in the community and he spent time hanging out with them and, and teaching them. He watched as Jesus got down on his knees and washed the feet of the other disciples, even the feet of the one who would betray him. And, and he washed Peter's feet, the one who would deny him. On the cross, Jesus forgave those who nailed him to the cross. And he watched as the, they watched as the blood poured from the wounds of Jesus as he poured out his love for lost sinners. He didn't just say it, he showed it. And another leader that got to see up close the love of Jesus expressed and the love of Jesus coming alive in that new community of believers in the Jerusalem church was John. John, I want to lead us into a time of response today with something that John wrote much later when he was an old man uh, we find it in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 John 3 
16. Listen to what he says. And he's talking about the example that Jesus set for us to show us how to love one another. 1 John 3, 16. It says, by this we know love because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That is our brothers and sisters in Christ. But, verse 17 says, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And so, uh, Jesus called John and Peter and the others and us to follow his example and love one another like he loves us. And here's the example of Jesus uh, with just a, three, a, a few little thoughts to end with today. Number one is that Jesus showed us that love gives. Love gives. Love always comes with a price tag. Love is always going to cost us something Love requires that we give some time or some attention or some financial resources. Love sometimes requires that we lay down our lives for each other. We set all other things aside and put ourselves out there to be there for someone when they're in need. Uh, Verse 16 says, Jesus Here's how we know what love is. He laid down his life for us. And so we know love gives. Uh, but secondly, we learn here that love feels. Love feels. In other words, it's compassionate. Uh, you're you're going to feel something. Verse 17 says, how can you see a brother in need and shut up your heart to that? How can you close off your heart? No, When you really love someone like Jesus loves us, then you're going to feel it. It's not possible to walk in community with your Christian brothers and sisters with a closed heart. You have to open up and and weep with those who weep and hurt with those who hurt and grieve with those who grieve and have compassion for those who are in need. In fact, uh, that's kind of like a thermometer for for taking the temperature of our love for the Lord. How do we love others? Do we really feel it? It's always an indicator of your relationship with Jesus, how you feel about those who are around you. And so love gives, love feels, and then finally love does. Love does. In verse 18, uh, it says, look, we have to, like Jesus, we have to not just love in word and deed, or or word and tongue, but in deed and truth. The love of Jesus is more than words. It's action. It compels you to do something when there is a need for love. And here's what I've learned. If you focus on loving people around you like that, fervently, with a pure heart, when it's easy and when it's not, when it costs you something, when you feel it, when you take action, if you focus on loving the people around you like that, you're going to find yourself surrounded with those relationships that you need to make up that Christian community 
in your life. If we ignore that kind of love and we just sort of wall ourselves off and try to do it on our own, I'm telling you, you're going to end up lonely and unsupported. And you may still have your relationship with Jesus, but you're going to miss out on the joy and the strength that comes from our relationship with each other. Hey, we grow better together. So let's stand together. I want to lead you in a time of prayer. And join me, if you will, as we go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, I, I want to just say thank you for your great love and how you pour your love out on us. Lord Jesus, all we have to do is look to the cross. And we know that you laid down your life for us. Lord, will you teach us to love in a way that gives and feels and does I pray for a revival of love in my own heart. Forgive me, Lord, when I, when I shut up my heart, I, I hold back. When you've done so much for me, so I pray for a revival in my own heart. Lord, I pray for a revival of loving one another in this church family. Lord, if we're known for anything, let us be known in this community for our love. And Lord, I pray for those who are trying to do it on their own and they're lonely. Lord, I I pray that as they begin to reach out, that they will find community forming around them to support and encourage. Help us to learn the one another's in the next few weeks. And I pray we'll be stronger for it. And finally, Lord, I I pray for anyone here today who is still lost in their sin, disconnected from you, Lord, I I pray that today would be the day they would respond to your love demonstrated on the cross when you died for our sins. Lord, I, I pray that today is the day they'll be saved as they repent of their sin and believe in you. And Lord, you know everything else that's going on, all the hurts, all the struggles, all the challenges, the the decisions that need to be made. And I thank you that your love is so comforting and strengthens us. I pray for everyone who's struggling today, Lord, that they would just feel your love in a special way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.